Uh, it was at Beasley House, and me and my three brothers were sitting upstairs uh, waiting for mum and dad to come home. And it was getting late and dark, and uh, the, their car gets home, and you could just hear it in their footsteps as they climbed the stairs. Uh, and, and I can't remember who said it, but grandma is gone. And I was 14 years old, it was 13 years ago on Friday. I was in year nine at school, and that was when the reality of death uh, hit me. Grandma is gone. I can't see her again, and I miss her. The finality of death was what hit me and continued to hit me in the weeks to come. We couldn't see her anymore. The fact that she was gone, she was here one moment and gone the next, as we often say to make ourselves feel a little bit better. She was old. She had a good wicket. Another one of those cliches that we say. But I can't imagine what it would have been like for this small family, this brother and these two sisters. It was clearly painful. We see that in Martha and Mary's statements. And he doesn't die from old age. There is, there is a, a sickness, an illness that causes this. And that, that would be painful. It's tragic. Death feels hopeless. And so it's interesting in verse 3, what the sisters send, send, send this word to Jesus. And so, Lord, the one you love is sick. And there's not many people described in the Bible as the one that Jesus loves. That's a pretty big claim. And so there's clearly a relationship going on here. Now, you might be cynical and think, oh, the sisters send this so that he will come and heal uh, their brother. And, and maybe there's part, some part truth to that. But I think there's a reality as well. If this is someone that Jesus loves dearly, they want to let him know uh, as just... Out of, out of kindness in relationship. I think we all understand death. Uh, even if we try and prolong it or forget about it or try and remove it from our lives, death is a reality the disciples and the sisters get as well. But there's something that they and us need to understand about Jesus. Something he wants them to know. Because we see uh, in this interaction, and again, I hope you've got your Bible there open to John 11, uh, verses 11 to 16, this interaction with the disciples. They just don't get what's going on. Jesus says, oh, he's fallen asleep. And they go, great, that's how we heal sickness in our day. There's no you know, hospitals and medicine floating around. So brilliant, sleep, that, that'll work. Uh, and of course, John adds verse 13, just in case, but... Jesus' words in verse 14 are pretty plain, aren't they? Lazarus is dead. And Thomas's strange reaction shows us that they just don't really get what's going on. And I can't wait to ask Thomas what he meant by this statement. Let us go that we may die with him. What a strange thing to say. There's something Jesus wants them to understand about himself. We see this as well in verses 21 to 27 with this interaction with Martha. Martha understands some really deep 
deep truths about Jesus and what he's going to do, but there's still something that escapes her. Death is inevitable. It's final. And even if we're young, there's a reality that death may come sooner or at a less than convenient time. I wonder how does the reality of death affect your life? When we don't understand Jesus, the reality of death leaves us stumped, confused, angry, hopeless. This story from John's Gospel shows us something essential about Jesus that we'll get to in point three. So Beasley House, uh, 13 years ago, a few days later, uh, we celebrate Grandma's life. And that's always wonderful, isn't it? To, to learn about all these, these great things that someone who's so close to you, you never knew that they'd done, even if you try and get it out of them. Often they're too humble to tell you. One by, uh, so so in, in that time, me and my brothers, you know, we kept it together. We, we were strong, you know, young men. Trying to keep it together, hold it together. Not, not crying, but it was interesting. One by one, as we walked out of the church down in Jerengong, one by one, we all looked at this, this lovely lady. She's, um, she used to look after us and uh, babysit us when we were young. And one by one, as we looked at this old faithful saint, we, we all lost it. We all cried. That was the moment that our shields broke and we cried. And as we went over to the hall and, you know, the refreshments being served and all that kind of thing, we just sat in a circle as brothers do, silent, Maybe we were crying, I don't know, I don't remember that much, but you know, we just sat uh, with each other. And that was when Grandpa Beasley came up, and some of you may know him, uh, Frank Beasley, Frank by name, Frank by nature is what we always said. Uh, and he came up and said something that Grandpa Beasley is, it's just so Grandpa Beasley. And he said, when I die, I don't want anyone, sorry, I just looked at my wife and got distracted. <laughs> when I die, I don't want anyone to be crying and sad. I want everyone to be smiling and laughing and happy. And that was so grandpa. Death isn't just coming, it's hard. That pushes us on to point two. It's sad and difficult no matter how much we try and sanitize or push it aside. And it was really hard to say goodbye to Grandpa Beasley. Uh, he was a mentor, an example, uh, and we continue to learn and see uh, how great his faith in God was. There are stories that some of you tell us, uh, and Gran even, you know, there are stories that continue to come out about how he loved God and wanted everyone to know it. It's really hard saying goodbye, isn't it? What does Jesus do when he interacts with death? Well, have a look again. If, I hope you've got your Bibles open and they're in front of you. Verses 33 to 38, we, we see this reality of death, the hardness of death, the difficulty uh, hit Jesus. So verses 33 following. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved 
in spirit and troubled. And then verse 35, you know, uh, this is often uh, one of those trivia questions at church camp. What's the shortest verse in the Bible? Uh, But wouldn't the real trivia question be, what does this show us about Jesus? What does this tell us about what he is like? Jesus wept. Or verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved. And this is all to do, don't forget, verse 3, with the one that he loves. Death grieves Jesus. These verses show us that we don't have to have all the cliches memorized or all the right things to say, the right answers in the face of death. Sometimes crying is the right response. And I think it's helpful as well as we see the humanity of Jesus in front of us. And a reminder here that Jesus knows our suffering. I suppose this all begs the question though, doesn't it? If death is so hard, if Jesus finds death so hard, why does he let it happen? Because we know from the Bible, we know from the Gospels, that he can heal sickness. That he can, do, he can say words from a distance and people are healed. That's a fair question. Why does he do what he does in these first few verses? Well, I think the key is verse 4. Jesus says, uh, in response to what he hears, or the one you love is sick, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus has a big plan. But still, why does he do what he does? Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, and you would think the end of this sentence, right, is is that Elijah or Elisha, I always forget which one, they tuck that cloak in and they run the whole way. Uh, Why why doesn't he teleport? He's Jesus. He can do that, right? Why, Why does he let his friend, the one that he loves, die? Jesus knows that they and we understand death. They understand death is hard, but there's something they and we need to understand about Jesus. There's something he needs to show us about himself. And the only way that that can happen is if verse 6 goes the way that it does. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Death is hard. Where can we find hope? Where do Martha and Mary and the disciples find hope? What do they do? What do we do? Well, I see my grandma and my grandpa again. It's not like there's a magic reverse button or a switch we can flick. Well, now we move on to... Point three, if you've got your bulletins there in front of you, your service sermon outline, sorry. So point one and point two, death is a hard reality. Where can we find hope to summarize those? I know we know the end of this story uh, because we've read it. You might have heard it before. But look with me again at verse four. Jesus' certainty. This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son, Jesus himself, may be glorified through it. His certainty that this whole thing will not end in death. 
And what about the heart of his interaction with Martha? I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Well, just in Jesus' words, we see that Jesus has the power over life and death. There is real hope. There is a real hope in Jesus because he is the resurrection and the life. But if his words aren't enough, we have verses 40 to 44. And cast your eyes down there. Uh, I hope you got your Bible open. So we see verse 39, uh, they're going to roll the stone away. And uh, Martha still doesn't get it, does she? She's, the smell. And you can just imagine, right, four days of fermentation or whatever the right word is. Decay. Smelliness. I don't know. It's not going to be pleasant, is it? You, you roll that away. It's, it's gonna, you're going to hit it. Uh, even, you know, if the wind's blowing the right direction, maybe the town next door will smell it too. Um, it's not going to be pleasant. If his words aren't enough, we have verse 40 to 44. Th- this proof of, of all these other verses, of 25 and 26. Why does Jesus let Lazarus die? He can deal with sickness. He can do it from distance. Everyone knows this in this story. But again, he needs to show them a truth about himself they don't know yet. He wants to show them and make them sure and certain that he has power now. Raising Lazarus proves, verses 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. But as well, it's a hint and a foreshadowing of what will come, that he will resurrect on the last day. This sign proves he is the one who has power over life and death. Lazarus' death, much like Jesus' own, reveals something true about himself. And again, verse 4, we are revealed God's glory and thereby Jesus' glory as well. But I wonder if you picked up on why Jesus does this. All throughout, it's, it's smattered throughout this passage. All of, all of this is so that we can believe, we can hope, we can trust in Jesus. And there's this question throughout the passage, do you believe? We see it uh, in his interaction with the disciples, verse 15. Uh, as they're confused, they don't get what's going on. Je- Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. Or the middle of his interaction with Martha. Do you believe this? Or verse 40, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Or even as Jesus prays to God, and he's got the disciples and all these witnesses and the sisters in front of him, that they may believe that you sent me. Do you believe? Will you answer the call of Jesus like Lazarus does? Wake up, Lazarus. Lazarus, come out. Those who hear and respond to the call of Jesus will participate in his resurrection on the last day. For those who believe our sin sickness will not end in death. 
let's tie some things together as we, as we walk out the door. So often I think we can read passages like this and, and we know it already, we, we claim we know it at least. I think the challenge is to lean into these passages, these, these biblical truths, and let them deeply affect our lives. It's wonderfully comforting knowing that God is doing things to redeem us and our world. And this passage is a really great reminder of that. So what do we do with the hard reality of death? Is there any hope to see my grandma and my grandpa again? Well, yes. A real, sure and certain hope in Jesus. And I can't wait for Revelation 21 verse 4 to come true. That verse we love to quote. You know, when crying and death and mourning and pain and suffering are all done away with, and I can hug my grandma again, and I can shake my grandpa's hand just like we used to, the big kind of like we're cutting down a tree together. I can't wait for that. Will you answer Jesus' call? What does it look like? Answering Jesus' call means we have a relationship with God to sort out. What will you do? John 11, 1-44 shows us that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He has power over life and death. Do you believe? Answer the call of Jesus. Believe that he died for you and paid for your disobedience and imperfection and joyfully accept and, be ex- and excitedly await being called home on that last day. And go share that with everyone that you meet. Have it change your relationships and your life. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I'm going to pray. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thanks for your word. Thanks that in it we can see the truth of your son and all that he has done for us. Thanks for the real, sure and certain hope that we have. Not just from Jesus' words, which are true, but from his life and his action and signs and miracles like this. Thanks for how you've done everything so that we can know you. Please help us to answer your call and answer it every day and to have that deeply change and affect our lives and to share it with everyone that we meet. Thank you for Jesus that he died and rose again, and for the real, sure, and certain hope we have in him. Amen.